This is Daniel Fagella of Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a business function that, in my opinion, doesn't get nearly enough attention. We look across industries at horizontal functions, things like marketing come up, or logistics come up, or customer service come up. But what about sales and sales enablement? In all honesty, there aren't that many companies chasing down this space. There's plenty of applications, and sure, there's a variety of startups, but if we compare it to, again, marketing, customer service, a variety of other horizontals, there's just not as much action. But the fact of the matter is, sales enablement's an exciting space. It's my perspective that a lot of revenue-oriented applications of AI are going to come after some of the efficiency or risk reduction applications in AI, particularly for risk-oriented, bigger, stodgier enterprise firms. But there sure is some upside to focusing on revenue when it comes to AI adoption, and companies who are succeeding in this space are sort of showing that that's the case. Chorus.ai is a company that has now raised over $100 million with record growth in 2020, and their CEO is Jim Benton. We speak with Jim in this episode of the AI and Business podcast on what the future of sales enablement looks like. In other words, when we have salespeople on the phone or sending out emails or on LinkedIn, whatever the case may be, how will they be AI augmented? How will they be AI enabled? And how will we be able to consistently improve sales performance? of salespeople, whether they're in business development, they're account managers, what does it look like to consistently improve performance with artificial intelligence? It's very hard to get to $100 million raised unless you're showing real traction, real results for your customers. So I think Jim's perspective is rather warranted on this matter because, again, there's not that many companies doing what they're doing at this time. So I think there's a lot of insight in understanding what they're up to. If you are interested in learning more AI applications in different horizontals and verticals, finding where AI is finding its productive fit in the industry, then be sure to check out Emerge Plus. Emerge Plus is where you can access our full library of AI use cases, as well as our library of AI white papers and our best practice guides for applying AI for ROI, for AI adoption, for AI strategy and roadmaps, and more. So if you want infographics to help apply AI productively, and if you want to see the full possibility space of artificial intelligence from uh, a big bulk of Emerge's research here, and if you want to see the full possibility space of AI from the bulk of Emerge's research and interviews, you can learn more at Emerge Plus and help unlock the AI potential of your organization. Without further ado, we're going to dive in with Jim Benton, CEO of Chorus.ai, here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Jim, today we're going to be talking about AI for sales enablement, and I'm excited to talk about the process of onboarding salespeople. I know, obviously, you folks are, are leveraging AI to sort of improve that process. Walk us through what it looks like in an average company today, let's say a big SaaS company. What does it look like to onboard somebody? Yeah, it's changed dramatically, especially with uh, COVID-19. Oh, geez. Yeah, so tell me. About, yeah. <laughs> it's changed with people working from home. You don't have you know, new hires coming in, sitting in the classroom and going through some of the processes that have been in place for, you know, for the eternity. And so it's different today. And I think that the ability to learn from your peers has also changed, not sitting next to people. You don't have as much tribal learning. And so I think what we found is that what typical onboardings looked like is, you know, watching canned videos, seeing some examples of how people do it, you know, going through classroom style learnings and, and video replays of you know, a manager doing a recording, yep. but it, you know, it can be fairly stale. And I think that what we found even on the COVID side is that messaging has changed dramatically. Hmm. I mean, our data 
shown a significant change in how empathy uh, has influenced sales calls. You know, the, the, the average call, the demo used to start at the 10th minute of a call. Now it starts at the 12th minute of a call. The way that we engage and open the calls, it used to be about Super Bowl and vacations, and now it's about family and dogs and home. And I think that understanding those changes is really important. And sometimes that's not captured in old videos. So what in the past, Dan, people would start a job, they'd be trained up and put into the field. And that that has a lot of limitations. Yeah. So let me see if I, I'm, I, what I like to do for the listeners is paint a mental picture of this is the before picture. They can see a little movie in their head. And then this is the after picture. And we show sort of where the changes are. It sounds like the before picture, you mentioned an interesting term, tribal learning. It sounds to me like, okay, we bring you on, you know, we've screened you. We, we've gone through the interview process. We give you the employee handbook. You're going to watch some videos of what it looks like to, to open, to close, to handle different kinds of objections. Maybe you'll even get a flow chart. I don't know. Maybe some companies don't have that. Maybe some do. And then you're going to be around other people who are closing. And hopefully you'll have a sales mentor who chats with you once or twice a week. But you're going to be out there, you know, slanging away on the phones, slanging away on email. And you're yeah. going to learn in that milieu and in that process. Is that a good synopsis of what it often looks like? Or am I missing some important bits? No, you're right. Look, it's a couple of weeks of training and learning. And then they say, go for it. Here's your first calls. Come yeah. on there. And what happens is customers ask all sorts of questions and prospects ask questions. Uh, or you're taking over an existing account and you yeah. need to understand history. And there's just a lot of room for things to go wrong. And basically for a rep to not have the confidence or the insights that are required to close a deal. That's what our best reps have. The reason why the best reps are typically closing at higher levels is they've just seen more. They have more experience. They have the answer. They have the confidence. And how do we get that to our newer hires quicker? Yeah, yeah. So leveraging artificial intelligence in this process. So we have kind of a, you know, a sales training method. We have a learning by osmosis. We have a, an amount of onboarding and a process sort of tutelage that occurs in the beginning. Now we're, we're wondering, all right, well, where does artificial intelligence fit into all of our various sales data in order to potentially layer value onto what onboarding should look like in the future? Where does it begin to fit in? What are the parts? Not everything's getting revolutionized, but some bits are. What are those bits? Yeah, it's interesting. What we're seeing now is the ability to record and be in all these calls. Just given where technology is, we you know to hook into calendars and plug into Zoom, we now have the ability to capture these interactions at a way that we never had done before. We're actually in all these interactions and conversations. But that's a lot of video content to go through. If you were to go through that in real time, it's not something that the average new hire or manager could do. So where AI plays a really critical role is identifying those very unique moments, those moments that drive outcomes, the ability to understand what does a best next step look like, or how should we ask discovery questions, or what sales methodology are we following and how should I handle each of the different sections? Um, or an objection, the ability to go through as a new hire and say, I wanna hear all the pricing objections. Let me listen to the last 10 calls where pricing objection came up and hear how our best reps answered it. And just literally listen to that 30 second piece jumping in, jumping out, quick comment, that ability to quickly hear so many of these edge cases dramatically impacts the ability to onboard people faster. Yeah. So, and I can imagine if I'm a sales manager, if I get a sense of new rep X or new rep Y, where they're getting hung up or where I feel like they're getting hung up, I might ask them to learn more about that part of the process, right? Listen to how Susan handles pricing questions. You know, listen to how Jim opens a call and, and really bonds with people quickly, you know, that kind of thing, right? Now, some of that, just, you know, grabbing some recordings from Jim doesn't necessarily require AI, but 
clearly AI is being used here somewhere. What you're saying makes me sort of think that NLP is able to extract from, you know, minute, let's say 15, 52, 15, you know, minutes and 52 seconds to, you know, uh, 18, 30 is a pricing, but with a confidence level of 85. Like we, we think that this audio clip is, is pricing. That's literally what happened in my head when you said that, but it probably doesn't work exactly like that. How does it work? But that's similar. We have you know, our team of researchers, you know, a PhD on our research team as well, leading that effort. But we've deeply studied the language of sales and all the different type of language that drives positive outcomes. So pricing and the product mentions and objection handling, these are terms that we've studied and we've built these topics into our ability to track those moments. So we will pre-identify, hey, that's an at-risk deal. We've identified at-risk language. Let's flag it. Let's call it out. With a click of a button, go right to that moment or several moments in a call. So these pre-identified list of topics that you want to drill into is really the special sauce. Got it. Okay. So tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Where AI is fitting in is we're recording all the calls. We're leveraging NLP on top of it. And we're able to determine when do certain topics come up? Maybe even a little bit about sentiment. I'm not sure. And then some kind of flags for at-risk deals. In my mind, I'd love to know what the lingo is for at-risk deals. I mean, what comes to top of mind is like, oh, somebody starts giving like really aggressive defensive answers or someone says, I don't know, maybe there's specific language around why this isn't a fit. And maybe there's certain strings of words that tend to correlate to folks really putting up a wall. What does it mean to detect at-risk deals? I imagine for a SaaS company, for another kind of company, that, that, that implies different language. What are we looking for there? Yeah, you can look at mentions of competition. You can look at mentions of pricing. You can look at speaker time. How much talk time did our reps yeah, have versus yeah. people? You know, one of the areas on the AI side. So in addition to just advanced transcription uh, and having kind of multiple deep learning models on that proprietary data set, we do have speaker identification. It's one of the key areas that we put patent that we most recently were recognized with a patent. But when you get multiple people in a room, Dan, being able to quickly understand which speaker is saying what, even if it's on a single audio line, we have the ability to break that out. We can build an audio fingerprint in 30 seconds and really start to identify what did the VP say versus the okay, procurement engineer. Yeah, yeah. And that helps when you're a new hire wanting to understand what did the most senior person say or what did the decision maker say? Those are the attributes where AI is really helping to help us understand these interactions. Got it. And, and that does sound realistic to me to be able to sort of identify who's who on a call. So it, it seems like there's almost two categories of, of uh, ways that AI can kind of layer on top of this, let's just call it transcript data for now. I take it you do something with video, but um, if we're just looking at the, the audio and the, the call, it, it feels like one part is we can identify individual audio clips that are likely to do with a certain topic. Let's say pricing, let's say you know, closing, whatever categories you have, right? You, I imagine you have some kind of an ontology there. And in addition to that, maybe seeing signals for something being at risk. So we might set up a little bit of red flags and then our sales manager could go in and very easily figure out where are these at risk moments, whatever. The other side of the coin looks like this might be able to be used to obviously dashboard that information. So in addition to having this record, we could say, you know, why is it that Jim on average is speaking for 50% more time compared to other sales reps of his experience level as other people, he's still closing at the same rate. Like, is this something we need to fix? What's going on with this? We can actually quantify uh, oh, how, yeah. how long they're taking on different bits. Can you talk a bit about the, re the reporting? Because I can actually see some power there as well. 
Yeah, no, the, the report, it's really magical what you, what you can do on this. I've been in the sales field most of my career. And to be able to look at a top performer and see that you know they spend 6.7 times more talking about a specific feature, and that's what leads the deals winning for them. Or if you talk about this specific topic, you have a higher chance of winning deals. So these are the topics that lead to deals advancing from stage three to stage four or just closed one. And if you over talk on these other topics, you have a higher likelihood of losing the deal. And the key here is that because we're tied into your CRM and we can understand so much of what's happening around the interaction, you know, we can see that after your call, the deal amount decreased by 33% or no next steps were set up or we didn't have an agenda. Hmm. These are core signals that, you know, if you're just listening to one or two calls as a leader and kind of the old, you know, the before method, you don't pick up on that. But when you start to look at this at scale, you start to see these patterns of what leads to success and how do you coach your team to do those interactions better. Yeah, to be able to analyze in a quantifiable, not anecdotal way, what are the winners doing? Um, and, And maybe the opposite question, seems like it would have some value indeed. What comes to mind for me here, so this all seems rather possible with NLP as it is today. This doesn't sound uh, too far-fetched or futuristic. What feels like there's a bit of a challenge with, but a worthy one, is in customizing this per whatever the business is. So I can imagine it's very difficult to simply ask the system, hey, what are our best sales reps doing? My estimate is that you know, there is no machine genie that comes out and says, well, on average, you know, what, what leads to, right, that's not really the case. What's probably the case is we have access to the reporting. We as the humans can ask the smart high-level questions. We can pull out the reports that we think sort of matter, make sure we can validate that this actually was talking about pricing, whatever. And then we can kind of sort and sift through that stuff and come up with those with those answers. So th- this is not a magic genie that's going to tell us our improvement areas, but it's going to give us all the, the ability to answer a whole bunch of questions, which we can then put on a whiteboard and come up with some great conclusions about it. Feels like if we're going to apply this to you know one business, two business, three business, you know, there's going to be a bit of that thinking, but that would be what would be involved to kind of pull those insights out, if you will. Yeah, I mean, this has been a key area of strength for for Core. So our ability to have a self-learning system. And you know we have patents on this around a kind of automatic topic extraction. Our ability to identify and kind of quantify topics that are not predefined, but they're predefined loosely, you know, looking at even the COVID-19 empathy, but the algorithms based on topic models where we can kind of sift out the noise and quickly extract these salient topics. That has been a, a key aspect of having a self-learning system. So as new clients come on, we start to identify what is best and what are the key topics for their business. Yeah. It seems to me like somebody's got to be doing that labeling, right? So, you know, if, if I think about a fraud system in banking, if it falsely calls something fraud, then a human can say, hey, system, this actually was fraud or, or this was not, sorry. Um, if, it, if it misses something that was fraud, we can, we can call that a false negative and we can label that and feed that back into the system. And, and hopefully over time, micro-calibrate, 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 keep the system breathing, living, accurate. It feels like in this space, we'd have to do something similar. Are you guys working mostly with SaaS companies or is it kind of various and sundry in terms of what people are selling? It'll go broader. I mean, we're starting to, to break out into you know, pretty wide on the, on the category spectrum. SaaS companies has been a core area. Yep. And we do have our you know, core research team and taggers. But one of the key aspects of the AI is that leaders, sales leaders will come in and coach reps and they'll go down to the specific moments 
uh, on a scorecard. And that's continuing to train our AI as well, as we're getting these moments of what is best from even the leader saying, hey, great job on this specific point. And it's just helping to kind of highlight what is working and sharing that across the team as well. That feels a little bit tougher. So being able to have your own squad of taggers say, yes, this was actually pricing being talked about in this time, or this actually was a whatever, some legal, some legal hubbub issue that we were stuck up on, you know, for these 10 minutes that, that feels, you know, you got to do some of that because I don't think your sales reps are doing that. It's hard enough to get them to put their notes into Salesforce where we're not going to have them tagging audio files. So, so you got to have that process, but the ability for a sales manager to highlight things and have that actually feed a system in a, in a positive loop feels a little tougher. Are, are we to suspect that, like, I, I would suspect if we were going to have a systematic effort to say, what are our winners doing? Let's say I'm, I work at um, Splunk, right? Some big SaaS offering somewhere. Okay, I work at Splunk. And, um, you know, we figure out our top sellers into big enterprise accounts. And we figure out, you know, we, we train on a whole bunch of instances and a whole bunch of sales and whatever. We, we, we have patterns of them and then patterns of the rest of our salespeople. It would feel like a pretty bespoke effort between you and between the Spunk sales leadership to really nitty gritty dial in those features, determine what we want to track, really come up with conclusions, more so than them just tagging stuff that's good and then having the system actually tell them that that's good. That feels really tough. You can do a bit of both. So individual teams can set up their own topics that they want to be tracking and identifying those terms, then starting to look at whether those are competitors or certain types of features uh, other aspects that they want to specifically do. Now, what's unique is we have a predefined list of these business sales terms that we think everybody looks at. So predefined plus what's unique to you. And then you're right, having the data in the dashboards to say, tell us what, what drives success. And I think that's the key thing is based on all the data we're collecting Now help us understand what is best. And then how do we share that with the rest of the team? Yeah. And it, it feels like to really get to an answer there, we're not going to, again, have a dashboard that just shows it. We're going to have to think about what we want to call best, right? Um, it might not be self-evident. And then and then probably they'd have to chat with you a little bit and kind of determine what we want to dig out and what we want to track and what we'd want to. The idea of this positive feedback loop is, is the goal here, Jim, I mean, let, let's look two, three years out, is the goal that they you know, label and tag the best intros, the best you know pricing objections, the best whatever, and that those somehow turn into new prompts for new salespeople so those new salespeople know exactly what to say? Like, where would that feedback loop go into as this product matures? That's right. I mean, I, I consider this a, a connected, sort of a connected intelligence, this kind of connected coaching network where we have all these interactions. And by the way, interactions go beyond just meetings and calls. We now tap into emails and starting to get into Zendesk. Oh, ah, interesting. Okay, so cool. Really understanding all the interactions and looking at, based on these interactions, what do we know that's changed? Has the Salesforce stage changed? Has the deal size gone up or down? When is the next step? Um, did we run a good discovery process? Were the questions engaging or not engaging? You know, what, what came up? How long was our monologue? And we look at these behavioral insights and then say, well, did what we do lead to success? Did the deal advance? Did it close? Did the deal values go up? And if so, how do we drive the scaled coaching? How do we start to recommend very specific aspects to reps say, hey, here's what we think you could do better? And by the way, Hey, here's an example of someone that did it well. You know, we think you can ask a better question on this topic. And by the way, because managers have gone in the system and said, that's awesome. You, you, I give you a five on the way you yeah, asked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surface what we think is best in these skilled coaching moments. So it's a combination of data insights as well as these, you know, listen to the moments, jump in 
and hear what your teammate said. Yeah, I think the, the, the real-time feedback as we're doing our calls or, or like getting sales coached by a machine feels to me to be squarely aspirational, but, um, but clearly it's going to be cool to get there. And But the, just the ability, like you said, to label a five-star, this is a five-star overcoming of this objection. When we have a library of those, that's valuable. I mean, you know, there's nothing better yeah. to train a salesperson than sales managers saying, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome. And then as soon as you run into a problem there, you know what to, to tune into. Last thing I'll throw out to you, Jim, as we wrap on this particular interview topic, which I think you'll have fun with. You've been in sales for a long time. And now you're working at a company that's working on the future of sales. When you look forward to, you know, half a decade into the future, and I'm not asking you to have a crystal ball, but when you look forward and you say, what are the biggest, you guys are working on a lot of different features and you're looking at the other competitors in the landscape. When you think about where AI is really going to change the paradigm, the zeitgeist of, of sales, how do you see that shift five years from now in terms of where, where AI really, really, really makes its fit? The future is about relationships. It's critical that sales teams and companies can develop incredible relationships, high value relationships with their contacts in a way that today sales is becoming very specialized, right? Someone, someone pings you to set up the first call. Then you get handed off to the AE that does the discovery. Then a solutions engineer helps you set up a pilot. Then you get a CS person. And so what happens is how do we connect these relationships? How do we help our people to, you know, Dan, if I'm connecting with you right now, to know all the different interactions that have happened, to help coach me on what would be the best things to say, what is the history of the relationships we've had, and to really improve the way that we connect and communicate. And I think that that's the future is relationships drive transactions. I absolutely think that on our side, it's about putting the R in CRM. You know, the CRM has a lot of C and a lot of M. It has the customers and we manage them well, but there's just no R in the tech stack. There's no sense of relationship of what we're doing right here. We'll transcribe to a couple line items. I've had a call with Jim, talked about these topics, save. Listening to these moments, seeing my facial reaction, jumping to specific topics. This is the relationship. If you and I talk in a year, I want to come back to some of where we left off. And that's what's going to help me evolve and grow my relationship with you. And that is where this space is going. Huh. And, and so, well, I like the, that's a nice tagline. It should be in some marketing material somewhere that, you know, yeah. it's about putting the R and C, right? That's, it's a, it's, it's like, you know, snappy. I, I dig it. Now, when I think about what does it look like for AI to help improve that relationship, man, human relationship is one of those like payment fraud is like, okay, I have these 50 factors about who sent the money, when it went to, whatever, super quantifiable. Relationship is like, I don't know. I asked you about your dog. You know, you have a painting in the background and we talked about it. Like there's a little bit of subtle undercurrents of sports humor that we've shared a couple of times, right? Like the, these things are really, really tough to quantify in terms of where AI helps with that handoff and that r relationship maintenance. For you, is it is it really about just tracking what the past relationship things were and really knowing how to appeal, how to frame, how to word, how to relate to this person? It's such a, yeah, it's a great question. In the past, relationships might have been just about, hey, let me show up and do my my thing, you know? Yeah. And that's changing. You don't want that. Just like you don't want a doctor to show up and just be sort of the best at what that individual does. You want the full system to show up. And what we need to do is help the best of an entire company show up in these interactions. So take a leader, for example. A leader gets pulled into a sales interaction at the end of a deal cycle. If they just show up and sort of smile and do their thing, that's not what the world's looking like looking for in the future. But if they can within uh, less than a couple of minutes quickly deeply understand hours and hours and hours of of interactions that happen and quickly discern what are the key 
issues? What, what are the key topics? What's really going on in this relationship? And come in and talk specifically about those, a specific feature, an issue, because they were able to analyze hours of previous calls, all the inter email interactions in a quick millisecond. Yeah. That improves the way we build relationships. There we go. So, so yeah, not having to start from zero every time there's a handoff or every time we've waited two weeks or whatever, we're able to just feel like we're back in the flow with them and we know what's going on because we have that context. That's kind of the zeitgeist you see us moving into. That's exactly right. And go back to where we started, the onboarding of a new rep. Look, they're taking over existing accounts. That's true. You don't want them starting at zero. Otherwise, it takes a long time to ramp up. Yeah. Imagine if they, within two minutes, jumping on a call, can understand all of the history of the last year and a half of every interaction say, oh, it seems like you're constantly focused on international language translation and this. Let's pick up from there. And I listened to a little bit of what you mentioned to Marianne on the previous call, and let's get going. That is a worldly different experience than what happens today. Big time. Okay, cool. So hopefully that's a little bit of a, a telescope into the future for some of the audience as well. I always like to ask the future zeitgeist question when I have the time to do it. Jim, this has been a real blast. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Jim for joining us on this episode, and thank you to you for listening all the way through to the end. Again, if you're interested in finding more fruitful use for artificial intelligence in your company, or if you want to help your clients find AI opportunities, check out the full Use Case Explorer inside of Emerge Plus. You'll also find our full list of AI white papers, where you can get a quick distilled perspective on AI in retail, AI in finance, AI in banking, and much more. So if you want to go deeper than the podcast and find specific use cases tailored to your business or that of your clients, again, check out Emerge Plus. It's emerj.com slash P1. That's emerj.com slash P is in plus and then the number one. So anywho, that is all for this episode. Again, a big thanks for being able to listen all the way through. I appreciate you as a listener and I look forward to seeing you here on the next episode here in the AI and Business Podcast.